Good morning, everybody. I'm Matthew. I'm Sebastian. And welcome to our first episode of Saturday Morning Mental Health and Entertainment. This is our podcast about mental health, movies, music, TV shows, video games, and more. So a little bit of background on us and how we kind of met and came about the podcast. We met for the first time in um, design, wasn't it a design um, course? Yeah, intro to design. Intro to design, yes. Yeah, design one, prerequisite for everything else you got to take. Can't tell by that we're both artists. Or try to be. to be. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Perfect. I think uh, the one thing that we uh, kind of found a connection over was our music taste. Yeah, we both had you know an interest in uh, Chris Cornell, Nine Inch Nails, old stuff, new stuff, just you know rock in general. I remember specifically, I was fascinated by some of your artwork that you were presenting. That painting with the hills, the grass, I just, I remember. The palette knife. Yeah, the palette knife, man. It was a, it was a palette knife painting. It was a study over, uh, just for the audience listening, it was a, an acrylic painting that was a study over, what was it? It was color theory. Was that the project that we were doing for the mural? Was that that one? I, I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah, Nick, uh, Nicholas Dirteen was our instructor. If you're listening to this, I'm sorry. Yeah. I forgot a lot of the stuff that, that we went over in that class, but I remember that painting. I mean, I remember, you know, the base, the importance from that, yeah. the color theory, triad and analogous. It's funny because my wife does a lot of sewing. And so she consistently asks me like, hey, do these colors match? And I'll go bust out my color wheel. And I'm like, yeah, you should go, you know, like a little to the left on the wheel or like maybe go a, a little further yeah. in hue or saturation. And she just looks at me like I'm crazy. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's great though. That's, I mean. Yeah, I mean, that was really the importance of that class. But I try, I try to keep, uh, I say try because I don't have it up right now, but I try to keep a color wheel like on my wall on my desk at home so if i ever need help with color i just look up at it and well, i should really throw that back up and use it it's but... a great tool i mean you for <laughs> yeah it really for is. just you know with basically just two pieces of paper and uh a little like rivet thing that thing's super helpful yeah right but yeah that that palette knife painting was awesome and then thank you yeah you're welcome man I think we then kind of started, I don't think you and I competed, but I felt like we kind of started competing against the class and we started doing three-dimensional stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It was weird because we also had uh, Johnny who- dude, Johnny was which, doing which some which cool was really, stuff. That, dude, that blue bonnet painting of his blue- Yeah, it play. was, he had some beautiful pieces that he did. Ah, that, dude, he mastered- one thing that he said on that one uh, he said to me and to the class which like really kind of flattered me was like after that he told me that he felt that my piece inspired him to try harder who said that johnny like, or nick do more johnny johnny did oh that's awesome yeah and i was like wow like <laughs> yeah i i feel the same way like i felt i never felt like in that class we were competing yeah. but i felt like we all encouraging each other Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. I was just like, wow, like, if, if he's like, making this, and he's never done it before, you know, what am I capable of? 
And it's like, I, I think I can try something. And that really, that pushed me with that perspective piece when I came up with that, like that sliding scale idea to move the pieces around. I was just like, I got to do something. Like I can't just make it flat and just one dimensional. It's supposed to be a collage. And so that sliding scale, I was just like, cause I know, I know Sebastian's going to do something great. And I know Jonathan's going to do something great. And I know uh, everyone else in that class. God, who else was in there with us? Um, Courtney, I think. Courtney, yeah, she, oh man, that, that one piece with like the, oh, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a, like a dark monster. Like, oh, the, like the, the like octopus, like the Kraken one? Yeah, the octopus looking one. Dude. That piece was awesome. At, at the time, A Perfect Circle, a lot of their motif was like real like squid Kraken thing. And so like when I saw it, like I, I'm sure she took no inspiration from that. I don't, that doesn't seem like her style of music. Like seeing that just like invoked uh, that feel. And I was just like, oh my God, like I don't think yeah. she even knows like, and the way she played with shadows on that thing. Yeah. Uh, that was, that was amazing. And the, and the uh, butterfly one that she did as well was That one was awesome. really good too. Man, that was, uh, that was such a good class. Yeah, man, I miss that class. <laughs> I do too. It was, that was probably, I think I've, I've learned the most in that class out of like any class I've ever taken. And it was yeah, an intro class. It, it didn't feel like rushed or anything. Like it had no, really good never. Pace, pacing. Nick, please keep, keep that. <laughs> keep it up, man. Keep, yeah, just keep it up because that. Because that was, that was only what, two nights a week? Like for yeah, some it was two nights. But it, but it felt, learned. it felt really good. Like the, the pacing. And I remember at first it felt like it was a lot, right? Cause I remember you almost dropped out. Yeah. The class, you almost dropped the class. Well, so I was having problems with that. Cause I was taking that class and math and a third class. And it was just, it was a lot to do. And it was like, we would get signed a project on, was it Monday? Do we go Monday, Wednesdays? Or was it Tuesday, Thursday? Tuesday, Thursday. Yeah. So we, we would get, you know, a project on Tuesday and then it's like, I worked eight hours Wednesday and then I went to a math class Wednesday night that was just a disaster. And then I would come back another eight hours. Yeah. Another eight hours Thursday and then come back to class. And I was, you know, I just told Nick, I was like, man, I, I can't do it from Tuesday, Thursday on the weekend. It's not a problem. And class time. And to his credit, like he took that to heart and I, you know, not to say that I, I don't think he did it specifically for me, but I think, you know, a couple of people may have also felt that pacing and he, he right. immediately well, pivoted. Even, yeah. Even the fact that he was able to do that and like make it comfortable for the students is it really means a lot. And because people oh, learn differently and you can't just expect, well, too bad. I guess you got to figure it out. No, yeah and i've definitely had teachers like that yeah absolutely where it's like oh you're not getting it well try harder and it's right. like i but i can't well i guess uh take <laughs> more time out of your week to go to tutoring instead of like you know like, yeah how am i going to do that i work full time and i have commitments so yeah credit to nick definitely so that yeah i, I think that definitely started like uh, a bond where you know we came together as a class but like you know the artists in it and we we right. talked about wanting to do uh collaborative things collaborations yeah and i don't other than well you you and i right now we're working on some sketching stuff i've been doing the digital sure. coloring but with this whole covid thing it's hard to get together i mean i think 
Yeah. Well, the last time we were together, we saw Harley Quinn and was that? Uh, Birds of Prey. Yeah. Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey. That was February. That (laughs) That feels like a lifetime ago, honestly. Yeah, it feels so long ago, like a few days or like the week that Tori and I moved into together in, in this apartment. Yeah. It was like the day that, that I got a call from work. My supervisor was like, don't come in today. Everybody's staying home. We don't know what's going on. And I was like that weekend, I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and then like, ever since then, it's just been like, Oh, it's been I crazy. I've not seen hardly anybody and it's been going out or doing anything. Yeah. And that was, I, I think what you moved about a month after I moved and yeah dude you know you know what happened the weekend i moved the, what? what i really feel was the start of all of this like tragedy i literally pulled into my driveway with a moving truck sunday afternoon and read the headline that kobe bryant died oh yeah what oh. and even before that like australia was on fire yep and you know i just it's like one thing after another this year it's been a crazy year and yeah. so yeah, and it was the work because like we moved in and my intention was to set up a home office where we could do art projects and I could have all this space and time and everything. And then, dude, everything just like crumbled. I think shortly after that work sent me home and they were like, well, you work from home now. And then I think a couple of weeks after still that. working from home, right? I'm still working from and I'm, yeah. I think I will continue to be working from home uh into january 2020 it'll i i yeah it'll be almost 2021 yeah you're right 2021 it's it's so crazy to think that you know i i can't even hardly think that far ahead imagine imagine when you when you're able to go back how weird it's gonna be (laughs) i cannot remember what my Uh, cubicle looks like i know i have artwork up on my walls i know there's like a there's a picture of my hedgehog. There's a print that I got from uh, Ryan Otley, the artist that is doing Spider-Man right now, Amazing Spider-Man. I, I have that on my wall. And then I think I have a map of the territory that I cover for work and a couple of other things. <sighs> Trying to picture what my desk looks like is, is next to impossible. And it's going to be like six months before I even see it if we do go back. <laughs> yeah. We were talking about like trying to work on something and then you know, trying to get together and that never happened. You know, we live like what, 10 minutes down the road from each other. I haven't seen you. Yeah. In like 15, yeah. yeah. And, uh, crazy. I mean, you just got to be careful in these times. So then I don't know, I get, I did, I, I kind of presented you with the idea of, I had been thinking about a podcast or were you thinking about something? Like, how did we get? Yeah. Yeah. It, you, you approached me uh, about it, which is right. funny enough because I had, my my friend and I had been thinking about doing a podcast and we had like one practice run and that was it and we <laughs> never like went back to it but it was basically like over video game stuff and like following right on. developers and news and stuff and entertainment stuff so it was kind of like when you approached me about this this one it was it was kind of right down the that same alley so Right on. And I, and I think, you know, going back to inspiring each other, I think because you were doing, uh, you were doing Twitch streams, you were doing live sketches. Yeah. And I was watching those at work when I was supposed to be working. <laughs> I had it, I had it set up nobody on a, from, uh, nobody from your, from your work. Uh, listens yeah. to this. <laughs> uh, sorry, 
Mickey, if you're listening <laughs> to this. No, I, I had it, you know, I had it on my phone and I, I you know, have my laptop okay. when I was working. So it's not like I was doing it right. in lieu of, but um, yeah, you know, I'd look over it. And... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least I was at my desk. Let's, let's you know, right. I want that Fair on enough. the record. I was at least at my desk making an effort. And, but, and to that point, you know, we'll kind of get to the second part of this podcast in a bit uh, is, is how problematic that was. But uh, yeah, so you were you were doing these live sketches and you had a camera set up above yourself and you had a microphone. And I was like, man, yeah, you know, he's doing cool stuff. And like, I, I think I was looking at getting a sketch pad at the time. And then I was thinking I had friends that were doing zoom happy hours and it's like, those are fine to do from your phone and you can do so much more than just BS around. Uh, and I was like, let's, let's yeah. do something, you know, worthwhile. And we were talking about kind of things we had in common and, you know, I, and I started telling you about uh, some of the stuff I've been going through with my ADHD and some of my anxiety and, and depression. And I think those are yeah. all kind of grouped together. Like it's, it's very common when you see somebody with ADHD, they, they do tend to have anxiety and depression. Uh, but I think a lot of it was really kickstarted from not working in an office anymore and not having that daily routine of like getting up and and taking a shower and eating breakfast and taking my daughter to school and driving to work and logging into my computer, making a cup of coffee and then planting myself for an eight hour day. And so I just, I got real down on things and it was just hard to, to focus and not, concentrate. Not knowing what to expect. Yeah, some days you're like, I feel like I've been doing the same thing for the last like 20 days and you lose track of yeah. your days, but then you're like, I have no idea what tomorrow is going to be like. And so right. I was telling you, you know, in my free time that I had been just jumping from thing to thing. Like I bought uh, like a Transformers model kit that I never finished. And I've been doing some digital art stuff and jumping from like audiobooks and TV shows and telling you that I was six seasons into regular show. And then all of a sudden I like completely lost focus and had no interest. And then I think I spent maybe an hour browsing through Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and I finally I landed on HBO and this is how bad it was I was I was going alphabetically and I got to C and I got to Casino Royale and I was like oh shit I'm gonna watch some James Bond movies nice and so in from Saturday morning to Sunday night I watched all four Daniel Craig James Bond movies and Knives Out, just because it's a great Daniel Craig movie. It's a great movie in general. Still haven't seen it. I need to watch it. You haven't seen Knives Out, I dude. <laughs> oh my god, fabulous movie. We'll 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 have to talk about that. Maybe we'll have a, a an episode talking about those kinds of movies. We'll have to, yeah, because I know I know there's a couple like that. Murder it's like Mystery. Clue. Uh, it, it's heavily compared to Clue, but yeah, man, Ryan Johnson, just fresh off of. Uh, the Last Jedi, and just like a wave of Star Wars fan hatred, and then just makes Knives Out, and it's fantastic, and people love it, and you know, yeah, I watched all of that, and then another kind of symptom of ADHD and hyper focusing on things is when you finish something, you really feel empty inside, and so after finishing mm. the four James Bond movies, Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, Skyfall, and Spectre. It's going to be another seven or eight months until the, the new one comes out because of the push. 
And so I was just like, man, like I'm feeling nothing. And I, I want, I want something again. And I, I try, I was like, I'll go back and I'll watch the older James Bond movies. And I started at the first one. I started at Dr. No and I made it halfway through, like he gets to the Island, there's radiation. And I was just like, I, this just doesn't have the same feel. You can't compare something from 1960, 1970 to late 2000s, 2010s. Well, there's going to be a massive difference, yeah. not just in the quality, but the content. Yeah, yeah. That's true. So then I, I, I told you the, the next thing I watched, and that's what really kickstarted all of this. I episode watched, one. Yeah, episode <laughs> one. Was it, not, not episode one of Star Wars, Jesus no, Christ, no. no. Um, no <laughs> what started episode, episode one, one of, of podcast. podcast. <laughs> Kung Fu movies, man. I watched Bruce Lee's Enter Sweet. the Dragon, and that is... A fantastic movie and you I, I told you that and you were like dude I love kung fu yeah movies. and then uh, I'm a huge Jackie Chan fan so you know we kind of got got into that rewatching the the Jackie Chan movies or the drunken master yeah, yeah the, the classics the man old school ones it's so but good before we before we get into the movies I did want to kind of take a step back and, and elaborate I guess a little more of the mental health segment of course. That was, that was a big part of this. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've talked about it. A so lot. of course, you know, you have uh, ADHD and um, from what I understand, it's yeah. pretty severe and it's been for a long time. Yeah. Uh, diagnosed as a child and then like took medicine for years, kind of got off of it, thought that like I was past it. And uh, in these last couple of years, I would, I would actually say I'm, I turned 31 this year. I'd say around 27 or 28, I really started feeling directionless. And I, I think that's kind of when I started realizing like something was wrong and I needed, I needed to work at this. You know, we're here now and, and I've taken a lot of steps. And so there's a lot of good that's come from it. And we'll keep talking about that. But, uh, you know, you, you took yeah. uh, kind of an interest in it as well. And, and I appreciate that. And, and you had yeah, some, absolutely. some insight to things like that as well. Yeah, uh, I remember um, there's one specific point in high school that kind of gave me this this attitude of like, I want to help people or more so understand and help other people understand. This kind of topic is very important to me because not that I'm like depressed or or that I struggle from depression or I have ADHD or um, anything like that. I... I'm very okay. I'm not. I haven't been to see anybody or really talked about it to many people. But just in my personal experience, I feel like I have something along the lines of uh, social anxiety or social phobia. Because if I'm put, like, it takes me a long time to open up. Um, oh, I definitely get that. And uh, if I'm put, like, say, I'm at a party, like. With a, with a bunch of people I don't know, you know, there's nobody there I know. I will freeze up, I will find a corner, I will just sit there, like I'll start sweating, maybe I'll start shaking in some uh, situations and I can't form words. Mm -hmm. It's just, I'm just silent, right? I just go into a corner, I'm silent, I don't talk to anybody, I don't move around. The reason why I think it, it's uh, social anxiety or social phobia it's because a phobia is an irrational fear. It's a fear that's like, I know I should not be afraid of this, but my body is just not cooperating with my brain. So that's that's kind of what it is for me. And like in my head, I'm like, what is like, 
why can't I just like get up and dance or like get up and talk to people or like walk around and enjoy myself like my my body won't move I'm like I know this is like dumb because I want to do it but I just can't like for some reason there's something in me and I, I'm completely convinced that it's like for me it's it's uh, all mental and I just need to like convince myself can take control of my body and you know make it move but it's hard it's very difficult for me and it kind of kills a lot of situations like Tori my girlfriend uh, she's very social you know you can put her in a party she'll make friends and you know she'll dance and you know whatever it's difficult for me because she tries to get me to do it with her and in my head I'm like yeah like I want to go do this with you I want to go dance and like meet people with you and like be outgoing and my body just doesn't move and she has to like actually physically drag me and like I don't know it's it's very strange so yeah um, early on I kind of noticed that and um, I remember one day I was having a really bad day and this was uh, on a school day in high school and I went up to my one of my teachers I was walking in and I remember just feeling really down and my teacher asked me he's like hey how are you doing and I was like I just looked at him in the eyes and I told him the truth and I was like, I'm feeling terrible. You know, today is just not my day. You know, I'm, I don't, I don't know what's going on with me. You know, like I, I'm just having a terrible day. And I remember he laughs, kind of chuckles. He goes, ah, you know, it'll be okay. And it's, it's a, whatever. And just kind of brushes it off. And in my head, I was like, are you kidding me? That's it. Like, that's, that's what you tell me like who knows what I can what what I'm gonna go do you know like how I'm gonna feel later that day you know like it's it's not it's not right so I made a promise to myself at that time on that day that whoever approached me needing some kind of help or comfort or somebody to talk to you know somebody just to like reach out to that I would take the time and be there for them. That's awesome, man. And to this day, I have not broken that promise. Like anybody, anybody that has reached out to me or that has trusted me with their situation, that, that this kind of information, because I, I recognize that it's it's not easy to admit these kind of things to people. So anybody who trusts me with it and anybody who's listening, you know, you can trust me with it. And, you know, I will take the time and I will be there even if you just need to, like, get something off your chest and say something, you know, if you don't need me to say anything or, or do anything extra, uh, you know, you can do that and I'll be there. Dude, that's, that's so huge. Like, because what that is, is that's, that's a support system. And that's something that uh, in the last couple of weeks or even up to a month or two, that's one of the first things that each person I've seen, I, you know, I've seen a, a, I saw a therapist to get an evaluation for a psychiatrist. And then I saw like a general practitioner and then I'm seeing a regular therapist. And uh, even this week, I actually saw a psychiatrist for the first time, all dealing with ADHD and my medication and everything. And the first thing, well, not the first thing, but one of the first things they always ask is, you know, do you have a support system? Do you have someone uh, you can talk to? And um, most people have like a person or, or like two people, but a, a good support system is just invaluable. Every time I, I've told them, well, I, I have my wife and I told them that I had even, you know, been very transparent with what's been going on with my current manager because 
from just a, a, an employee perspective, I, I want to be doing my best work. And if, if I'm having an off day or if I'm having side effects of a medication, or I've even recently got a, a CPAP machine uh, because I have severe sleep apnea, because I guess my entire body is broken. Um, <laughs> having, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so many things in, in like the last six months, I have discovered so many issues and it's like, I just, I, I want to just stop looking into them. I'm like, what else is wrong with me at this point? Like, yeah, right. it's like when you take your car into a mechanic and it's like, oh, it, it makes a squeaky noise. And it's like, oh, your entire transmission needs replacing, like right. kind of how it felt. But um, with, with talking to every one of them, it's, it's, do you have a support system? And the fact that I, I have my wife and the fact that, you know, I can tell my boss, you know, hey, today was the first day with my CPAP machine. And I, I, I didn't acclimate to it. Well, it felt very uncomfortable on my face. Like I, you know, I looked at my Fitbit, I maybe got like three hours of sleep. Um, I may not be my best today. And the fact that her response to it is, is nothing but overwhelmingly positive is just, it means everything. And so, yeah, the, the, the mentality of like, oh, well, you'll be fine. That's, that's bullshit. You know, reaching out and, and making yeah. sure that someone's a writer, comforting them, being with them, that's empathy. And that's something that I feel not to get like too, you know, big picture, but I, I feel like that's something that like as a, maybe a generation or a society or something, I mean, we just, we don't empathize well enough. You know, we, we right. can see a problem and we, you know, oh, well, I've been there before. And it's like, okay, you've been there before, but do you remember what it's like to be in that situation? Do you remember how, how painful it was or how hard it was? Well, that's what, that's what the person in front of you is going through. Do something for that help or something. So that's, that's really cool that, you know, you made that commitment. And um, isn't it great when you just have like shitty teachers that inspire you to be completely opposite <laughs> of what they are, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I've, I've, had, that, I've yes. had that before with teachers. I've had that before with managers where you're like, if I ever become you, someone smack me across the face. Yes. Just that is that type of person is just the worst where you're like, I, I learned everything not to be from you. So that's, that's cool, man. Well, I, you know, I, I appreciate you. I think everybody needs an ally in something. And so that's cool to have you there. And yeah, I mean, you don't have to be a, like a lone wolf kind of thing. You, you, I mean, it, it's cliche to say you're not alone, but you're not alone. <laughs> you know? So it's like, yeah. It's, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, there's a, there's a big difference between physically alone and like emotionally alone. And yeah, emotionally alone is, is destructive. Right. And it's, uh, and, and yeah. I hate when people are like, oh, all the just looking for attention, stigma kind of shit like oh, that. I want, yeah. I want this to be a platform for shutting that shit down because it's that's oh, of course bullshit and that's like one thing that like it triggers is bullshit. because i mean like really like how many people really do that for it i because i a lot of times those aren't intentions it's 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 literally like a cry for help or it's yeah it's well, how a person interprets reaching out right. i mean yeah like how i see it it's like okay this person's just doing it for attention okay well they're not just doing it for attention but even they if they are doing it for attention it's because there's something going on and somebody needs to pay attention so that they can get help 
it's not just like oh they just want people to like look at them and that's it no it's it's like like you're saying it but you're not yeah there's more there's more to it than just the words you you don't understand what you're saying anyway i wanted to uh make sure that was uh you know a big part in the in the show and we will have guests that speak on it struggle from for different reasons and bring awareness to to those and so we know about them and know how to deal with them and how to deal with people who are not deal with yeah but understand because that is that is the mentality some people are like well how do you deal with those people you don't deal with them you right you help them you work with them you you find a way in Or, or even just like like i said just understanding them you know it's like people communicate differently you know so oh yeah come across somebody like like when when we met i think i knew you know immediately that you know there was something different not to say that in a bad way <laughs> no I, and that's there's the, something that's weird the about this guy <laughs> yeah. this dude's strange he changes his hair too much yeah <laughs> yeah but you know like i didn't like push it away you know like try to understand and then when you said it oh i have adhd i'm like oh okay that you know I understand. I can. I can. Uh, yeah, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Understand, and you know, I, I I know how to speak to you, and like, you know, I know that. Oh, I'm talking about this, and then suddenly I'm talking about this, and it's like it, it makes sense, and I'm okay with it because you know I know what's going on. I'm not confused and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's pretty much how a majority sure. of our conversations go. I mean, I remember the time we were, we were chowing down on pizza and it's like, dude, I think we, t- we covered every topic under the sun, comic books, video games, action figures, TV shows, movies, music. And it's like, that's, you know, but I can expect it, you know? And so I'm, I'm ready for it. And exactly. That, you know, that helps. Well, I appreciate that. Cause I know I, I can get a little rambly about things and that's, so good. that's why we have a podcast. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> because the unsuspecting victims of it get to listen to us be rambly. Of course. Or the suspecting. I don't know. I guess you have to choose to be here. You can leave if you want. Please don't leave. <laughs> I don't know. If I, just leave I mean, for the, like the, an hour and come back and see what the, happens. The first batch <laughs> of people that are going to hear this are like, you know, people that are close to us. So like, hopefully sure. they don't leave. I really, I want their feedback. So if they leave, I'm going to be devastated. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, those are the things that are going on with us. And one of the big ones from ADHD is, uh, is cycling interests. And I think that's kind of how I ended up here at this topic is, you know, when you said Jackie Chan and I said Bruce Lee, and I know that, you know, those are two of the biggest Kung Fu stars ever. Yeah. Not to say that Jackie Chan replaced Bruce Lee because he didn't. Bruce Lee had an untimely death. and uh, But Jackie Chan f- filled yeah. in or, or stepped into that. Yeah, he kind of took over the mantle. Uh, yeah. And then... You know, that's not to say that it's lesser or anything. It's no, not, not, you know, it's it's not like when George Lazenby took over James Bond. Like, I'm sure some people like him as a Bond. That's He's not my Bond. But, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and Jackie Chan did his own thing. Like, uh, right, I, I was know, say that. Yeah, yeah he, he yeah, blended he in a lot of comedy. Him. Probably one of the best examples of that is uh, is Drunken Master, right? I think, I think that's the example. That's the example. That is, that's like... <laughs> That's like, yeah, pure I, like Jackie Chan style, you know, action kung fu, and then 
uh, well, I don't, I don't want to say action, martial arts, kung yeah. fu, and, and uh, well, I mean, uh, to comedy. be fair, kung fu is it is technically considered a subgenre of the action film. So, right, but I don't want to confuse people, and like when I say action, it's like they think like modern day, like uh, that's fair. guns and explosions and stuff like that. But yeah, there's there's definitely been a big shift in action, yeah. but yeah, it was kung fu, mostly fists, some swords or spears, right? Uh, Bruce Lee bow staffs, nunchucks, uh, things like that. Yeah. But it's 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 mostly the the fighting style is what dictates uh, that that genre. But yeah, actually, uh, one thing I, I didn't mention to you before, the reason or like the way I got into watching Jackie Chan movies was actually my... Yeah, what, my, what got you to there? My cousin from Switzerland, actually, one for a year, he came and... Okay, wait, first of all, <laughs> you have a cousin from Switzerland. I have family, that is news to me. I have family everywhere, <laughs> yeah. So my family, uh, my my parents are from colombia oh then, awesome yeah so my my aunt is from colombia oh, cool. um yeah interesting small world yeah yeah and then i believe i have family in spain as well oh very cool so yeah and then uh, a bunch of family in florida i was born in florida but oh so sorry. Uh, <laughs> currently currently, currently or, or in general i don't know florida uh, you know, it's nice to be 20 minutes from the beach, but you know, as a kid, as that a is kid, pretty nice. But now that I understand, you know, uh, everything going on, yeah, you know, it's it's oh, uh, it's okay. I'm I'm in Texas now, so I'm safe. Yeah. Well, well I don't know. We're you know, uh, we're like top three worst. Safe. So safe, safe is relative. Safe from Florida. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Okay. Safe from Florida. So okay. So sorry. Uh, <laughs> Diverge from that. It's just, just that's fascinating. Uh, I've known you like yeah. a year, and I had you have a cousin from Switzerland. So your cousin yeah. from Switzerland. Uh, yeah. He he. Uh, I I think he just came to like learn the culture and the language, uh, learn English, but he Very knows cool. like uh, Swedish, French, Spanish, German. I think, and then he came to Damn. learn. That's English. always super impressive to me. Yeah, it's it's uh it's crazy. Well, I think it's easier for people who live in in Europe because the countries are so small and so close together. So that makes sense. There, there's a lot of and like, I know I know a lot of the languages that derive from Latin have similar right. uh, conjugations and and yeah, similar. So I think uh, it's words. It's, you know, I don't want to say easier, but more common for them to to know several languages, which I think is incredible. Awesome. So he came to live with us for a year and he was a big, I guess, is a, a big Jackie Chan fan. And he was just like telling me about all these, these movies. And, you know, he was like one of the greatest, and, you know, at the time I only knew like his more like American movies. Yeah. That, that was kind of my knowledge of Jackie Chan as well it was, you know, like the rush hours and uh, right, exactly. Shanghai noon yeah. and like, uh, like the tuxedo, which I guess that's a yeah. movie. <laughs> um, it's, it's a movie. It's a movie. We'll leave it there. Yeah. It's, it's, a movie. it's out there. Yeah. But yeah. And he, he uh, introduced me to more uh, traditional style, you know, Chinese films. And I was like, man, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> You know, so I just like fell into a huge rabbit hole and for an entire summer, like every day I was watching another 
Jackie Chan movie, and it was like it, it was. Ridiculous. <laughs> it sounds like a great summer. Yeah, it was awesome. And then uh, off of that, I kind of, I mean, I, I knew about Bruce Lee, but I think at the time I hadn't seen really any of his movies, so I kind of watched some of his movies, like one or two of his movies, and then right on uh, into like Bruce Lee, and then uh, the the more modern uh, Donnie Yen movies yeah, and stuff Donnie like Yen, that. Man, those Man's are those are big stuff like real that. big. So yeah, uh, off of uh, off of my cousin. Um, huge Jackie Chan fan I think it just his kind of a comedic style and just like the fact that he uses literally everything in the room to fight is just <laughs> awesome he does me. yeah yeah so and and the fact That's... that he does his own stunts and he's like almost died so many dude times that video you the, sent me yeah like top that, 10 that, yeah top 10 uh, times like Jackie Chan almost died yeah, doing his yeah, own stunts it's ridiculous uh, yeah fascinating movie i didn't realize that and and that even had some really good recommendations for yeah uh some kung fu movies that i i haven't seen yet yeah. like uh police story police and, story uh, which i think in jackie chan's mind that was his best movie yeah, police said, story the first the original best. the original police story and i know i think those i think police story one and two i saw online those are getting like 4k yeah. remastered re-releases nice uh, those are great movies they they look awesome just the the explanation of the the mall scene in that video uh yeah. has you know extremely motivated me to watch it and that's that's kind of the thing about this podcast was doing this you know going into it i only knew my couple of bruce lee films and then you know like we were talking the more modern stuff with uh jackie chan uh donnie yen like even you know some of like jet lee and so looking into some of these movies i was just like man these are these look fascinating and and i wasn't able to watch them but this is something that beyond this podcast i will continue watching these movies and and looking for more of them and and branching out to some of the the not mainstream film because a lot of these have a big presence in america but a lot of them there's so many more below the surface and a lot of them you can find on things like netflix and hulu and and Amazon Prime. Yeah. I mean, I was looking at the 36th Chamber of Shaolin, I think is on Netflix right now. And that's supposed to be like a, a really good one. And there's so many more movies than, than just what we're talking about today. But the, the ones we are talking about, they're, 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 I mean, they're basically their masterpieces. They're, they're great insights into culture and yeah. the time period. You know, I would, I would definitely say my favorite that I've seen so far are the the ones from the seventies and eighties. And it just gives you a look at, at what was going on and just, they're so good. Yeah. So you, you got into to Jackie Chan from your cousin. Yeah. Well, my big intro to Bruce Lee uh, was a very roundabout way. It was not Bruce Lee directly. It was actually, and I say this partially his son, Brandon Lee, uh, my interest in the movie The Crow, but that's not even where it started. I didn't I didn't learn about The Crow until or the the movie version, which I think is like a early '90s. I actually learned about The Crow because of a television adaptation they did of the movie called uh, The Crow: Stairway to Heaven, and it actually has. I didn't even know there was. A, yeah, it. Uh, I think I have the DVD set around here somewhere, but it's they 
they kind of turned it into a television series and they kind of tried to set up like like an anti version of the crow like it, it gets a little far from the source material the source material being the comic book the crow by james obar who i've met he's a he's a fantastic human being um he actually wrote the crow as a way of coping with the death of his girlfriend mm. um Wow. And and so he wrote <laughs> it. He dark drew story, it. But, uh, yeah, very very dark. And he you know he wrote it. He drew it. It got collected as a trade. I, I have two different versions of it. Like that's how good it is. And then it got adapted, and he got to work with Brandon Lee. And and when I saw him, he had some great stories. But I was like, oh yeah, The Crow. I I want to see this movie. But it was rated R, and I was like twelve. And yeah. So, you know, I waited a couple of years and in that time I did some, some learning and I learned it's not the same actor. It's not Mark Dukakis, who is also a phenomenal actor in his own right and does some Kung Fu movies, but he's mostly known as the chairman in Iron Chef America. Nice. So if the name Mark Dukakis rings a bell, that, that's why. But he's been in so many things too, like uh, John Wick Chapter 3. Uh, he was one of the adversaries that John Wick faces. Down I haven't seen the third one yet. So oh, it's so keep good. Keep that in mind. You got to watch it. We'll, I'll get back to those later because those, you know, heavily inspired by, by Kung Fu movies. But mm -hmm. uh, then there was this segment about the, the lineage. His father also had a tragic death. And I was like, oh, well, who, who is his father? And it's like, oh, Bruce Lee. Like, oh, who's, who's this Bruce Lee guy? And to learn that Bruce Lee is, is basically considered the godfather of kung fu movies i mean he really yeah. brought an interest to them globally yeah. and and it comes from his very short acting career i mean he only did officially like four movies and then there was a lot of stuff done after his death and that gets into a whole thing but he was like the man that that brought interest to it and right after his first film the big boss uh in america they started running television show kung fu and that just amped it up more and so i was like this guy is awesome i gotta see these films and, and enter the dragon is just it's peak kung fu and it's there's like a martial arts tournament and that inspired so many things i mean from like you know dragon ball z with the martial arts tournaments and just yeah everything fighting for Whoa. like who's you know who's the best <laughs> and and uh apologize uh, for anybody listening of the we we have three cats, so they they make noise. Cats will do that. You hear a uh, loud uh, meowing in the background. That's what that is. It's not me, I promise. That, well, that's good. So yeah, I was like, I'm gonna watch uh, Enter the Dragon again. Watched it. You you were telling mm -hmm. me Jackie Chan movies, so then I started watching some of them, and then man, I fell down a rabbit hole. I started looking at films. Uh, from different directors and, and different actors and just learning some really interesting things and then learning that a lot of the ones that we consider to be classics now have moved to like a Hollywood presence. You know, Jackie Chan, some of his biggest movies are, are the rush hours and everything, but even, even some yeah. directors like, you know, John Woo and Ang Lee, I was blown away. I didn't realize that uh, Ang Lee directed Brokeback Mountain. Whoa. Yeah, that's I a didn't know that either. that's a real fact. He he, you know, he did Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and then uh, Brokeback Mountain, and he did Gemini Man last year. And I know, I I saw it. Um, I liked it, but it 
people didn't like it as much. And then there's a, a subgenre of action movies called Gun Fu. And those are like John Woo movies. And, and it's like, the, you know, John Woo went from doing Hard Boiled to Face Off and Mission Impossible 2. Interesting. I wonder that's kind of like the, I mean, a lot of the older uh, Kung Fu stars, you know, Jackie Chan, Jet Li, and Donnie in there, they've, they've kind of, uh, since doing more uh, Western movies, have have done a lot of those, like, especially like things like Jet Li, and he's done like, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, the one dude, uh, the war one. with Jason Statham. Both of those have uh, Jason Statham in it, and you can you can you they can do, literally yeah. track his balding between the two of them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's terrible to say. I love I love yeah. Jason Statham. I think he's a yeah, great, he's great. He's a great American action star. Yeah. But the, dude, the one cheesiest premise for a movie, but I absolutely love that movie. Yeah. And yeah, that I, I would definitely say that's in that like gun fu action movie category. Yeah, I guess that's that's kind of how because you were telling me that um, even movies like Tomb Raider and John Wick fall into that category, but they're that's not yeah. like really kung fu, and they're not like Asian actors. No, not at all. I guess it kind of comes off of like the actors that did kung fu that moved kind of more into the action shoot 'em up movies. Yeah. And, stuff like that kind of like merge them together it's pretty interesting yeah and i mean even before this um we, we were talking about the original drunken master and uh that director ended up getting hired as uh like like a action coordinator or stunt coordinator for a ton of american films including some of the ones we were talking about the gung fu ones like the matrix and i think even right. yeah it seems Yoon Wu Ping, and he he ended up becoming the action choreographer on some later kung fu movies, like the the Jet Li. I think it's the Jet Li movie, Fist of Legend. Yeah, um, he's done a lot of movies. Yeah, uh, he was he was the action coordinator for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Uh, but then he went on to do the the action coordinating for The Matrix and Kill Bill and uh, Fearless, the you know one of the the Jet Li movies. Jet Li, oh, uh, that that movie is so good. I haven't that seen that one. So <laughs> I haven't seen Fearless. I think yes, you gotta watch that one. I've seen the one. I think I've seen which one's the one where he has the the like the collar? Is that Unleashed? Is that what that one's collar. called? Collar. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I don't remember which. which yeah, one he's it like is. basically. I think That's like, like an early two thousands one. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen like you know Cradle to the Grave like. Sure. Those are all those like yeah those those late nineties to mid two thousands like just man those are awesome though (laughs) those are great they're so good they're good if you know what they're they're perfect for three or four hours from now where it's a Saturday afternoon you don't have any plans and you're not looking for like something that you really have to concentrate on like like late afternoon uh, yeah like a late afternoon Saturday. Film that you can like do chores while you watch. Yeah, like you yes. can you yes. can tidy up the house. Well, this is interesting. I'm seeing here in, in the uh, in your notes here about um, Yin Wu Ping. He's he's done a lot of movies, but it's what's interesting is that even Drunken Master and, and the Snake in the Eagle Shadow, which is a um, 
Those are basically like the yes. successor to Drunken Master. Same yes. cast, same, same cast, director. same director. And I, you mentioned it was released the same year as well as Drunken Master. I think yeah, they're both 1978. Crazy. Sifu in um, Drunken Master is just is a fantastic character. <laughs> he's great. Yeah, you got to watch the the spinoff. Oh, oh, what was it called? You, you were telling me about that. I, I is it same actor, same actor, same actor. The, the master. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, I gotta remember. I gotta remember I, I what really the, like the title of that movie was called. Yeah, it's it's just kind of crazy to me because like those were a long time ago. Those uh, Snake in the Eagle's Shadow and Drunken Master, and then he continues yeah. and he does like Kill Bill and and Matrix and you know those <laughs> those are. Uh, much later and the fact that he's still like you know being entrusted to to these huge movies for his choreography is is incredible yeah i mean i i definitely think you know that's he has that impressive resume i mean when you when you when you direct jackie chan and drunken master and you make timeless films like that yeah you you have you have backing you have um you know, worth. And so that's that's fantastic. So earlier we were talking about Kung Fu in general as kind of a study for this. I watched some specific ones, some based on your recommendations, Mm -hmm. some based on searches I did online. And I wanted to get your opinion on some of them. If there's something that you've seen that I haven't, or there's something I've seen that you haven't, you know, what, what drew you to it? So I think obviously the first one is going to be Drunken Master and Drunken Master 2. Yeah. <laughs> of, of the two, which do you prefer? Um, oh, man. That's, uh, it's, hard, it's hard to decide for me just because, um, like, the first one was exactly that. It was a, the first one, the original. And, you know, the, the kind of montages that go throughout the movie when he's learning the secret kung fu that his master was teaching him, his, his secret drunken style. Are you talking, like, all the, the prep work that complained about having to do, like, the, the wrist strengthening and the Yeah, sit, yeah, like all that. The and cup of water. Yeah. Yeah, and then at the end, when he finally was able to do all the, the different... There are eight drunken gods that, that Kung Fu is, is based off of, and it's basically just like a blend of different styles. Yeah, the, the holding the bottle of wine and the... Right. So, like, the description of the drunken god determines the person performing the, the uh, fighting using, using this uh, style of Kung Fu which I just thought was really interesting kind of bringing that element and seeing how it, it all connects at the end. But I will say in the, in the second one, it, again, it's hard to say because it's, it, they were made so far apart. Yeah. Like 40 years yeah, or like, something, right? Like I think it was 30 or 40 yeah, years. Like 30, I think like 30 something years. Like it was, it was a long time. Right. I believe by then, uh, Jackie Chan was already like doing movies in the States. Oh yeah. He had already done Cannonball Run, which was his first like enter into Hollywood. And so I think that was kind of a return to, to Hong Kong cinema. Yeah. So I feel like knowing that you can kind of pick some parts where he kind of brings that Western style back with him. It, It definitely has a different feel. Oh yeah, it, it feels it feels more cinematic than just like this guy like learning kung fu and he's like a an asshole at first and then he has to like be taught discipline by this master and then he you know is able to redeem himself. 
but he knows like the style already, right? He's proficient at it and he's got more people on his side and he's like using it for a good cause and he's not just getting in fights with like everybody. Yeah, he did have the, the, the friends in the village, like the fish guy and the snake lady. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I forgot about that. I, I I did like his like his little group in the in the first one. He definitely yeah. is like a one man you know student, but in the second one, yeah, he he's uh, part of a village. I, I forgot about that. Right. Yeah, and and then they have like these gangsters that are coming in trying to like take over the place, and it's it's definitely more of a like a Hollywood style plot. Yeah, there's there's like this big force comes in, and this person has to like rise against it. And yeah, and and I think there's a the heroic role, and that that's more present in some of the later cinema. Right, and I definitely feel like yeah, Jackie Chan in, in Drunk Master Two embodies that that central hero instead of drunken master one or the, you know, the first one where he's, he is a student, he's learning, but by comparison, it's it's very different. So I initially went into drunk master two thinking it was a sequel. I honestly thought it was, they were connected, but the the two feel like entirely separate movies, right? Yeah. I believe the, um, the movie is better known by legend of the drunken master. Yeah. That's its English title. Right. And I think uh, at that point, he had already, Jackie Chan's character had adapted into the the role of drunken master. He became a master. And I'm not sure if it is a direct sequel from the first one, but it's it's like a spiritual successor to it. You know, it's like... If, if not uh, direct, but he, he brings pretty much every element uh, that was in the first one. Yeah, I do remember that. It. Yeah, he continues with the gods. And from my perception yeah. of it, though, it seemed like in Drunken Master, the drinking was more of a distraction or a um, like a purposeful. In the first one? Yeah. In, in the first one, I would say the, the user of the drunken style. Uh-huh would drink as a means to uh so like i don't know how to fool, phrase so like that fool their opponent exactly like, yeah like a like a false sense of confidence right. like hey i'm drinking you know and then the, the opponent's exactly like, oh, yeah this like, guy like what the hell is he doing he's just yeah he's drunk i can i can beat right. him and then i but i feel like in legend of the drunken master or drunken master 2 that the drinking is a necessity to use the style yeah and I think they even kind of explain that of him being too drunk after, yeah. you know, after his father gets onto him, after his father has that, uh, that disappointment in him. Because he, he had asked Jackie Chan's character not to drink and not to fight. And in doing so for his stepmother after the necklace got stolen and the gang members and everything, he does fight and he does drink. And then his, his father punishes him by Continuing to, to like force feed him alcohol and, and oh, yeah. apparently that's like uh it was like super high concentrate wine yeah. and so he was too drunk to to defend himself so they kind of explain that at some point in the movie that drunken boxing drunken martial arts the the drunken master style kind of follows that it's effective until you drink too much but I feel like the the big difference between the first one and the second one was that yeah the, the first one it was a it was a ruse it was a um way of giving false confidence to your enemy by pretending like you're already close to defeat 
And right. so I, I found that to be just a, a fascinating change between the two of them. And so that's what leads me to yeah. believe that maybe they're, they're not a sequel to each other. Yeah, that's interesting. I might have to look that up and find out for sure. Cause yeah, it's I'm, one of those I'm things. Actually not notice. sure. If you watch yeah. them like back to back, which was my intention, I thought I thought it was going to be like they were saying about police story, where you know that is the same character and that continues, and maybe that that might just be a Western tradition of you know we make continuous sequels. You know, we see it in horror movies with Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah. but even long running franchises like uh, the James Bond series, the Marvel right. series. I mean, those aren't necessarily all chronological in number, but you do have Iron Man 1, 2, and 3. Th- those carry over the same storyline. Right. But it definitely seems like maybe Drunken Master 2 is more of a reinterpretation or, or a newer adaptation. Because uh, even the, I think the time periods feel very different. I think... Yeah. Within Drunken Master, I don't remember seeing vehicles or any sort of yeah. weaponry. It's very, it's very minimal. Like the the village that they they live in in the first one is very small. You don't really see much of the the village yeah. at all, other than like it's... right at the beginning when he starts going around causing trouble. And when, then... he, when he when he uh, <laughs> when he gets the kiss from his cousin and like hugs yeah. her by yeah. pretending to you know, give directions and stuff to, to win yeah. a bet with his dumb friends. And so, that's what gets him so into dumb. all the trouble in the first yeah. place. Yeah. But then like immediately after that, you know, he goes back to his, his father's uh, dojo. Yeah. Like uh, the school. And then all you, all you see is like, and gets his ass beat at, by yeah, his aunt at the school, gets his ass beat by the, the yeah. gangsters. everybody. <laughs> And then uh, you see him at the school, right? He even gets punished there. Um, and then, yeah, his and dad then immediately after him. that, you see him out. Like it's it's either like he goes to that restaurant and he tries to like <laughs> he scams the yeah, owner. He tries to scam the owner, <laughs> and then he meets the the master, <clears throat> the drunken master. And then immediately from that, they just go straight to the to the master's uh, his uh, hut. So, yeah, his little hut with the the big water jugs that he tries to drown the master yeah. in. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he he never goes back to the village, it's, so it's just very minimal. You know, most of the movie was was just like either in small spaces or directly outside of the the master's uh, little house. And, yeah, uh, I think it was, it was just. About I think that. that might be why I like Drunk Master one more is because that minimal feel. Yeah. The, the movie kind of feels timeless. Like yeah, it, it really true. could be set in within about, you know, maybe a 50 to a hundred year time period. It could be, you know, late 1800s. It could be somewhere in sure. the, you know, the mid 1900s. I feel like, you know, there's not, because you don't have technology or stuff like exactly. that. Exactly. And that's something you'll notice from, you know, more modern movies and more Hollywood movies that, I mean, you can pick out, when the movie is set based on technology and vehicles and everything because of how rapidly uh, changing technology right. is. It's like, yeah, you know, you, you like, uh, like twins. I don't know if you've seen twins recently with uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito um, car phone, but straight up there's a, he has a phone uh-huh. in his car and that like, that is a technology that is lost upon the world yeah. now. And so that it, it, kind of dates that movie and i think uh that's one thing i really liked about drunken master was that they're 
there really was no time period yeah. on it. And it could be really from any time. I think also the the fact that there wasn't much around them really uh, allows for a lot of character development as well, because it, it was really only about Jackie Chan's character. Uh, it was him and the master. And that was basically it. That's what the whole movie was about. Like you don't see his aunt or his cousin or his dad. You don't see any of his friends after he starts training yeah the rest of the supporting cast kind of drops off even that the the teacher from the dojo with the extremely hairy long mole that was uh, yeah yeah <laughs> beautifully comedic but disturbingly yeah. hairy <laughs> uh, but uh it it really allows you know like the the character development you can really see like how they change throughout the movie versus having many other supporting casts that are present and that kind of take the the camera yeah. away from the uh um, really does from the main character so i even right up before this point have been doing research on all the movies that we've talked about and watched and the the thing i wanted to tell you that blew my mind is that yu wu ping is the sifu's son in real life what? and so yeah exactly <laughs> so crazy yeah so his son the is the director and that what you know he started acting that's awesome uh the the drunken master the actor who played the drunken master started acting uh in the in the mid 1940s and so that movie coming out in, in 78 um he that becoming one of his most famous roles uh was much later in life for him but that's that's got to be super cool to just you know be able to work on a movie you know with your son and then with jackie chan who from every movie i've i've seen of his uh they typically show bloopers and and deleted scenes or behind the scenes stuff in the credits he just seems like a blast to work with so that uh, it just makes that movie just so like a little bit more enjoyable knowing that like there had to have been such good personal chemistry on that set yeah yeah, man, that's awesome. Yeah, so I, th I thought have, he would like, like that. your son, and to have like your your son, or in, maybe in Yun Wu Ping's case, your father propel your career. Make like he made this movie his father's most famous role. Yeah, but also his father made this movie his son's or one of his son's most famous movie. Yeah, that is really cool. That's that's a good that's a good father son story right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, awesome. that those were those were two of the movies I think I watched first. Drunken Master was highly based on your recommendation, so uh, I'm very happy that I watched that, and I'm very happy that I watched it. Um, you know, I think we kind of touched on this, but I'm very happy that I watched it with the original Chinese dialogue and the subtitles. Yes. I feel like that's kind of a big debate in a lot of these movies and uh, the, the inflections from the characters and the, the, the tone and how soft spoken or like high pitched at times that the characters are in these movies. It, it was, it was fantastic. And so I think that was seeing it as it was originally intended to be seen was fantastic. And then I don't know what version you may have seen of either ones, because I found that there are a couple of changes that were made to Drunken Master 2. Uh, one of the big ones being the end scene that's since been restored. So the, the version I have has the restored ending, but after Jackie Chan's character, uh, Wong, actually, 
so we can get that right. Long after he drinks the, the yeah, the wine from the smelting plant or the, the iron uh-huh. plant in, in some cuts, the movie kind of ends after that fight is over and there's not much of a follow-up. The version I got to see, which I think is the current version that's available for purchase is <laughs> there's this end scene where basically the the house assistant or the butler i'm not sure what the appropriate term for it is but he's basically explaining how Wong is doing after that fight you know especially after going through that coal and burning his hands and and drinking the industrial strength alcohol and he basically explains that Wong has gone temporarily blind, but it should get better. It should come back in time. And then the, the last scene is Jackie Chan with just this ridiculous look on his face. And then they, they're basically like, oh no, it destroyed his brain as well. <laughs> has this like uh, low IQ look on his face. And at, at some point in time, uh, that was deemed to be too offensive and had mm. actually been removed from some viewings. Um, but I think that's just a perfect representation of just the the two different styles that Jackie Chan has. I mean, he can be very serious and very yeah. committed, but then he can also just be, you know, a, a funny goofball. And yeah. it's, it's, it's very his, impressive. His uh, newer, more serious uh, roles are fantastic as well like oh yeah i i watched the foreigner not even anticipating watching it as part of this because it's Uh not really a kung fu movie i would say you know that is more of a an action movie definitely a western action movie just shit you put jackie chan and pierce brosnan together in a movie i'm definitely gonna watch that and Yes, yeah. super serious super dark i think uh his I, i can't can't remember i watched it a little while ago uh the foreigner and i remember there were some characters i don't know if he uh his character was a spy or if his wife or they, something the explanation i got out of it was that he had special forces training right. and i i think they may have even stated that it might have been american special forces which is kind of strange because i know there are some flashback scenes where they show him you know, trying to flee the country and there's a war going on. And, and right. that actually is kind of a flashback to he had two other daughters that are taken. So, you know, the, the, if yeah. you haven't seen the movie, the, the plot of it is it's basically a revenge film. And yeah, he has special forces training and he is I think they say he's like a, like in his late 60s, still kicking ass and just <laughs> so much yeah death and violence uh, and stuff it's it's a great movie it's a darker one but it's good oh yeah so yeah i think i the drunken masters were definitely two great movies to watch so i would say uh after that the next two movies i watched and and i actually realized this as i'm looking at my list of movies i watched two movies from each of the actors that i kind of focused on on this list making for a total of six films i watched in their entirety uh, in preparation for this. And so there, there are those two Jackie Chan ones, uh, but I have half a dozen more of his to watch. I mean, you know, like I was telling you, I'm going to check out the police stories, six yeah. police stories. Definitely check out uh, Armor of God. Yes. Well. I know those. I the, I think there's two of them in that series. I believe I'm going to so. give those a, a viewing. One of the ones I'm really excited about. I know, I think I've seen it but it's been forever. But Rumble in the Bronx was like his first like kind of break into Hollywood. 
and just the, mm-hmm. the, the idea that it's a Hong Kong kung fu film based in Brooklyn, but filmed in Vancouver, Canada is mind boggling. So, <laughs> you know, that's, that's on my list uh, along with Wheels on Meals. I've heard that's a really good one. And then I, I need to give Snake and the Eagle's Shadow a thorough viewing. Yes, I, I need to watch that one as well. It sounds great. So that's that's my Jackie Chan list. The next two movies I watched, these are a little more modern. I know you're probably thinking like, oh, Donnie Yen, you watched some Donnie Yen movies. But the second major actor was Stephen Chow. One of the first Kung Fu movies that was ever introduced to me outside of the Bruce Lee movies was Kung Fu Hustle. And that is a fantastic movie. It, it's funny. It's got a great cast. Uh, have you seen Kung Fu Hustle? I have not. I highly recommend it. I don't know what I can say to describe it because it's <laughs> it's it's a it's a comedy, isn't it? It's comedy. It is. Uh, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a kung fu comedy. Yeah. It, there's such a great cast of characters in it. I mean, the the two main characters kind of end up in this village. It's it looks like one giant slum hotel with hundreds of occupants, and it turns out that. Almost every one of them is a Kung Fu master, but for some reason or another, they have not been openly using their powers or or, because they kind of have these like superhuman Kung Fu abilities and just uh, the the landlord, the the, the landlady and the, the landlord are just some of the best supporting cast. All of the other like Kung Fu masters are great at what they their style it's it's a great movie and so i had initially seen it maybe a couple of years after its release and i watched it with english dubbing because at the time i i I think 2004 I i was like 15 16 didn't have an appreciation for like cultural relevance of the movie i was just like i don't i don't want to read i'm just gonna listen to it with the english dub and it was actually the last movie I watched before recording this, and I found myself completely unable to watch the English dub of it. it it's just, it's, it just, it puts the wrong inflections on things, and and the characters in the subtitled version are very humbled characters. But the the main character that's played by Stephen Chow is just, he's kind of a loud mouth, and just there's something about the tone of his voice. It just does not carry over into the English dub and because he he makes a lot of like exclamatory remarks or, or like long drawn out questions and it, it, it just does not carry over. So uh, I watched Kung Fu Hustle and and almost saw it in like a, a new perspective and just had such an appreciation for it. And it's a it's a fantastic movie. Definitely give it a view. And Stephen Chow, the main actor of it, also wrote and directed it. And that's kind of his, yeah, that's kind of his thing is that he started out as a side character. He has a very long career in film and uh, he eventually moved from just being an actor to being a a writer and a director. And two of the best movies I've ever seen him in are Kung Fu Hustle. And then the second movie I watched of his Shaolin Soccer. And Shaolin Soccer, if, if you think, you know, like Drunken Master and Kung Fu Hustle are good comedic Kung Fu, 
Shaolin soccer just takes it up to the next level because they, the, the premise is that the main character is trying to show the relevance of Kung Fu in a modern society. And it even, it even kind of placates to, you know, that idea that like, Oh, martial arts is still thought to be like dudes in robes and, and, and people just fighting in the streets but it can, it can be a way of life, just a way that you live. And there's several martial arts styles that are not about fighting. Uh, you know, I know uh, from personal experience, I've done a little bit of Tai Chi. Tai Chi is not as much about fighting. It's just more about peace and exercises with the body. And so the main character believes that with the Shaolin techniques that he has, if everyone knew the Shaolin techniques, the world might be a little bit better. And so he's trying to get his teachings out there, the, the teachings uh, from his master who has since passed away. And he ends up meeting this soccer player that kind of took a dive for money uh, and then gets his legs broken. And it, it then kind of becomes a little bit of this like, not like revenge, but like a little bit of a payback story where the soccer player who got his legs broken after taking the dive ends up coaching this soccer team in a tournament that the, the other soccer player who convinced him to take a dive is also coaching a team. And they're <laughs> so spot on. They're team evil. That's what the team is called. Team. Yeah. Evil. Yeah. The, the, the villainous team. <laughs> yes, exactly. There, there's no subtlety to it. Yeah, I was going to say, it's just straightforward. Like, yeah. Yeah. They, they have to play a couple of other teams in soccer and the final team they have to, to beat to win, which the, the, they're, you know, trying to compete for the prize money mostly is team evil. And throughout the movie, there's like fun soccer montage training like the the main character has like a very powerful kick but he doesn't have control with it so the the soccer coach is making him like juggle an egg like a hacky sack basically nice and one problem with the movie is is because of when it came out and to make some of the effects like at, at one point uh he kicks a soccer ball so hard that it catches fire and turns into this like giant fireball blast Mm-hmm. Um, in order to do that, in order to make that happen, they the movie relies on some CGI. And it's not terrible, but the way that it's used, it makes what's funny about the movie that much funnier. Yeah. At like one point, he's, he's kicking a ball against a wall and he's kicking it so hard that the wall is crumbling. And it, it looks a little out of place, but the significance of it is that he has this amazing power and they're choosing to use it for a soccer yeah. team. <laughs> and it, it's, it's ridiculous, but it's so much fun. It's, it's better than some of the best American comedies. And that's the thing of it. It doesn't have to be a Hollywood production or a, or a, a Hong Kong production. I mean, it just, it's, a, it's a good comedic movie and it has a fun plot to it that's kind of lighthearted and it has a happy ending and i think my favorite part of it is that team evil realizes that this shaolin soccer team is going to be better than they are so they take these illegal drugs that are injected into them and it's this light purple almost like a kool-aid looking 
liquid that's injected into them. And it's, <laughs> it's performance enhancing drugs from America. <laughs> so it's, it's great to see America as like, the drug yeah. <laughs> pusher in this because there's tons of movies where it's like oh you know the chinese heroin is is in america ah. it's like no it's these american performance enhancing drugs are giving the unnatural people, yeah this unnatural uh, and <laughs> just ah. and and like the oh god the final soccer match is just so like the, the refs are obviously like paid off and so they're just like there's kung fu fighting on a soccer field that would get you penalized so fast it's just, it's such a good movie. Uh, yeah. so i highly recommend watch it as soon as you can it's it's, All right. it's one of my favorites it's just it's so much fun i will definitely be putting those two on my list and then the last two movies i think i can speak to not to save the best for last but to save the best for last I watched Enter the Dragon uh, from Bruce Lee and The, the Big uh-huh. Boss from Bruce Lee. Enter the Dragon is probably the most well-known kung fu movie of all time, I would say. And the interesting thing about it is after the success of some of his other movies like The Big Boss, Fist of Fury, and The Way of the Dragon, Bruce Lee was approached by warner brothers to do an american kung fu movie and they gave him a pretty small budget but when doing some research on this i learned that warner brothers spent a couple of million dollars advertising the movie so the advertising campaign for the movie was more than the actual budget of the film wow yeah and it included things like they printed up t-shirts and they were offering like kung fu lessons. It, it, it was That's just an ridiculous. insane marketing campaign. It extremely yeah. ridiculous. Uh, but because of it, I would say, yeah, to date, it is the most well-known kung fu movie of all time, and it definitely kickstarted the global interest in kung yeah. fu movies. It's just it's it's a great movie. It has it has a pretty standard plot. Um, Bruce Lee ends up in a Kung Fu tournament and then he's trying to, it's, it actually ends up feeling a little like Mortal Kombat because he's, he's in a, a, a tournament on an Island where probably like where the, they got the idea. Probably. It would not surprise me if Ender the Dragon was a, a big uh, influence on Mortal Kombat, but they're on an Island. Uh, they're fighting. Actually. Sorry yeah. to interrupt you, but go ahead. Uh, after you, Saying that, I'm 100% positive that uh, Bruce Lee was a huge influence on Mortal Kombat because the main character of Mortal Kombat, um, yeah. uh, Liu Kang, and he even has like, he's got like the stance and he like kind of moves like uh, Bruce mm-hmm. Lee does in his movies and he holds his arms up, moves very loosely, you know, and he's got like that high pitched uh, sound every time he like goes to strike. And Dude, I love that sound. I love. And uh, that's also, not to cut you off, but that's also no, one fine. of my favorite things about the original, the, the Cantonese or the Chinese dubbing, the audio dubs. Because a, uh, a lot of the Bruce Lee movies were filmed and then they, they did dub audio afterwards. And so a lot of the, dude, that, that like the, the yelling, the... 
and a lot of the like the punching or like the deflecting. Those sound effects are amazing sound effects. I love those sound effects. <laughs> to, to your point, I'm, I'm fairly certain it's been a while since I've played a Mortal Kombat game, but I'm fairly certain Liu Kang does the... Yeah, and that, that's been like a staple for him. Like he's always done that in every Mortal Kombat game. That was a thing, so... And even looking at in-game artwork for Mortal Kombat 11, Liu Kang uh, is holding a, yep. a set of nunchucks is that pose is very reminiscent uh, of Enter his, the Dragon. His, um, uh, in Mortal Kombat, I don't know if you're, how you're familiar with it, or if you've seen the, the second movie, uh, Annihilation. Oh, hell yeah. That uh, one is so bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they all turn into like giant monster well, characters. Okay, so listen, those are called animalities, <laughs> right? Animalities, and Liu Kang's animality is a dragon. And he turns yep. into a dragon. He can summon like fire dragons and shit in the game. It's really cool. I'm yep. pretty positive that's also a direct influence of um, Bruce Lee as well. You know, into the dragon. It wouldn't surprise like me. That, so that's that's a thing. That I until you mentioned, I totally forgot that Mortal yeah. Kombat sequel. <laughs> and I and I think they've really. Because I know in the in within, it's it's frowned upon. It is. I know that. <laughs> and, but I know within the last five or ten years, I think, and I, I think this this production company or website channel uh, page, uh, Machinima, I think they're they're now gone. But I think they had a live action Mortal Kombat like yes. mini series. Uh, Mortal Kombat. Legacy? Yeah. Legend. Le Legends Legacy. It was really good, actually. I need to go find those. Yeah, I remember it being really great. And I, I know a lot of people thought that it was going to be uh, a full-length film, that they were going to adapt it from there. And I, I don't think there was really any movement on that other than they yeah. just released uh, an animated Mortal Kombat movie. It was awesome. Earlier this year. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Yes. Uh, is it? It's like... It's like Scorpion. Is yeah, it's a it's a, legacy of Scorpion. Uh, Legend of Scorpion. Uh, Scorpion's Revenge. It, it's a it's a kind of a different take, but it's I mean directly from NetherRealm Studios. Um, so awesome. which is cool because they use a lot of brand new uh, metal music and stuff. So the soundtrack is awesome. Cool. The, the fighting in it's awesome. It's an animated movie, but um, I did yeah I knew that it was um, animated. Yeah, but it's really cool. It's it's a it's a fun watch it's like i said it's a different adaptation they left it open for for a sequel and also they're oh very they're cool. uh making in the process i believe they're still filming the uh reboot of the mortal kombat film a live action film okay so that is still in the works great yes okay but but the the nether realm film so it's like actually the mortal kombat studio and they're they're working on that very cool <clears throat> which is yeah awesome they're using a lot of really, really good, really authentic actors as the uh, the combatants. I can't remember their names, but I know there was a this Chinese guy. I believe he's Chinese. He was in a movie called The Raid. I don't. Oh remember. yeah, The Raid. That's that's a huge like, gun fu. Yeah. So so they picked they picked him. I believe it was the main character. I think he's a police officer in that movie. 
Yeah. Uh, they picked him as a Sub-Zero, which I'm like, this is great. You know, they're getting a bunch of these people for, you know, this, like the most of the rest of the cast are, are from movies like that, that are known for like their roles in these uh, action fighting Kung Fu type movies. So it's really cool. That's going to be, that's going to be nice to, to see. Cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of looking some of that up right now and it, it looks like it is slated for 2021 yep. and uh, based on the video game franchise. That's pretty obvious. Serves as a reboot. Also pretty obvious. Warner Brother Pictures. Yeah, they redesigned. They redesigned the logo too. They rebranded. Yeah, I see that. Oh, I don't like that logo. Yeah, it's it's more snake-like. Yeah, uh, I'm a. I'm gonna stick with the classic. Yeah, uh, it's it's cool. Yeah, it's all right. It's it's a thing that happened. So it happens. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Joe Solom or Johannes Solom. He's an Indonesian actor and martial artist of chinese descent uh, and yeah he was in the raid um he was in fast and the furious six yes that's right he was and it looks like yeah he's gonna be sub-zero in the new movie and that's fantastic um hot take sub-zero is my favorite character nice so i'm always gonna well, back which, it. there there are several so, so. Uh, I'm not picky about him. I know that like okay. after the first one, like, yeah, like one of them dies. And so it's like his brother we takes over the mantle. We can edit this part out. It doesn't really no, I'm leaving this part. <laughs> oh, okay. This is awesome. I, I, I don't give a shit. I will pick any Sub-Zero. He shoots ice from his hands. That's my boy. Anyway, so I can definitely see the influence that Enter the Dragon would have on Mortal Kombat and, and really any martial arts or Kung Fu property. But I think <laughs> that all, I think that all that whole genre was definitely started from the big boss and i watched the big boss for the first time a couple of days ago and in doing so i realized that the big boss is probably one of the most heavily edited movies on this list between scenes of violence and nudity down to the soundtrack and the the language dubbing from what i found there are half a dozen different cuts of the movie. There's a rumored ultra-violent version that never got shown outside of a film festival. There's uh, international versions where they removed some blood and gore from some of the scenes, not to give too much away, the, the, the final fight in the movie in several versions ended up being heavily edited. And even a lot of stuff earlier in the film was edited, but one of the most interesting things I found to be edited was the soundtrack, the version I ended up with. And I don't know if this is the most recent version or if it's a version that's available now. The movie itself is from 1971. Well, at a very uneventful part of the movie, there's just kind of a transition scene. I found myself listening to the soundtrack and going, I, I absolutely know this instrumental section. Uh, to be from the song Time from Pink Floyd, from Dark Side of the Moon. And that album did not release until 1973. And so there's no way that the version I was watching had the original audio or the original uh, pacing because it just, that's that, you know, Time by Pink Floyd did not exist in 1971. And so I kind of started digging into it and 
found all these changes and all of these different edits and even uh, the name of the movie. When, when the movie was brought over to America, there was a mistake that was made where the, the second Bruce Lee movie of his career, The Fist of Fury, was to be changed to Fists of Fury, as in multiple fists. Well, someone somewhere screwed that up and the big boss got the name the Fists of Fury and Fist of Fury got named the Chinese Connection to, yeah, because they wanted it to fall in line with a film called The French Connection. Uh, And it in- So crazy. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder how many other people like notice that they're like watching this and they're like, wait a second, this doesn't sound right. And it doesn't feel right. Like, let me I, see what this, I honestly do not know. I mean, there, you know, there's entire sections of it on IMDB and Wikipedia. And to think that because of someone's carelessness, like a movie got an entirely different name, like, and that's to, to, to do that, they yeah, had right. to change the intro to the film to give it a new name you have to think about the marketing that went into that and i mean to this day it's still listed by the alternate or the international titles on you know some streaming sources like amazon and netflix and hulu and how do you explain that to someone like oh well you know because of this and it's like who made these decisions? Who took it upon themselves to change art to that extent? Like you can't, you can't do that with traditional artwork. You can't do that with a novel. I mean, if, if somebody went back and changed the ending of their novel, I understand, you know, there are different, especially from a field I'm familiar with having worked at places like Barnes and Noble. I understand there are different editions of a book. You know, sometimes you may catch a typo or something, but to heavily edit something just seems like a slight that can only be done in film. And then you end up with multiple versions and it's like, who's to say that I saw the same version you saw or that someone else saw a different version in, in that existence, you know, which, which one is the official version, which one is right? Which one is the definitive edition? I mean, I know now we have things like that, where they come out with like the director's cut or the definitive edition. Uh, You see that a lot in video games, but things like Blade Runner, there were so many changes made to Blade Runner that we now have six or seven different versions of that film. And then you get a sequel and you're like, well, which one, which one are we continuing from? A lot of subtle changes in Blade Runner really changed the tone of the film. So after watching the big boss, just, you know, finding out, there's so many different versions. It was just it's such an interesting discovery. And I don't know, I guess the, the point of that story is just leave art alone, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But those, yeah, those were kind of the, the six or seven movies I watched in anticipation of this. Like I said, there's probably two dozen more that I have on my list. I mean, there's a lot, like I didn't get to a lot of the Jet Li movies. I wanted to see Once Upon a Time in China, which are also based off of the same character from drunken master uh wong but i've read that that jet lee's more drier approach to the character was very well received or a little more serious 
Yeah, a little more serious take because again, that that character is a, is an actual real person. He's a, a Chinese folklore that was a, a doctor. He was a physician. Uh, a martial arts master and just a legend. It's kind of like it was portrayed in Drunken Master. That people tended to know his name. So he's kind of famous for the times, if you will. Yeah. Didn't get a chance to rewatch Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon yet. I, I saw that years ago with the English dub. I really want to go back and watch with the, the I own that one. You own that one? Okay. I think cool. so. I think so. I'll have to I'll have to check in my dust off the uh DVD <laughs> the, book. The, the physical. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. I got an Xbox. I think it'll play DVDs still. Sweet. Um, it better. It better. Yeah. It's like uh it just spits it out. It's like this isn't high definition what is this yeah what is this yeah 480i get out of here uh so things like that and then even some of the more martial arts movies that weren't as kung fu things like uh hard-boiled the raid even seven samurai i haven't seen that and i know that it's considered you know one of the greatest movies of all times and it's for the longest time, it, it had two strikes against it of things that I I found to be uninteresting to me in in cinema. It, it was in black and white, and it had subtitles. But after really doing this kind of dive into kung fu and Asian Hong Kong cinema, I'm very willing to look past that. I'm I'm very excited to learn more of the importance of it in cinema. And uh, I think I'm just going to have to get a Red Bull or something and watch it because that is like a three hour movie. <laughs> yeah, that's a classic one. Though. It is. It is. It's one of the greatest films of all time. I mean, it, there's a reason it's in the Criterion Collection as, you know, so many of these other films are as well. But that's, you know, that's kind of my investigation into this subject. I mean, this was my two week hobby cycle of a new thing that I can, I can read, I can watch, I can jump into, I can learn backstories, I can learn, you know, father and son directing teams, I can learn that this one character from Drunken Master is actually a real person who's a folklore legend. I mean, it really gave me like a lot to focus on a lot of exciting things to talk about and really something that's, that's kind of uplifting and and a good distraction from everything that's going on in the world right now. Yeah. And it's cool because like these movies and the characters in the movies are historical, right? They're, they're part of history. Oh, very much. So yeah. Real or not. Right. You learn a lot from a culture. I mean, it's the the films are, are works of art, like, like you were saying. So you learn of other cultures through the artwork that they produce and it's it's just makes it more interesting to to watch them and they're not just like old movies of some people fighting it's like actually a representation yeah, of, of the the culture in the country and artwork and stuff exactly i i definitely feel that way so you know that's it's kind of coming up on on the end of this topic i know you had uh you know, done some research and you'd found some things. Uh, any any last thoughts or anything else you want to talk about before we kind of wrap this up? I did want to mention one actor, not so much Kung Fu, actually. He's, he's Thai, Thai actor, Tony Ja. There's two movies that, that are the biggest that I can think of at the moment are The Protector mm-hmm. and Ong Bak. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
O-N-G-B-A-K. And I believe there are three of those. I was going to say, I think that's a, a trilogy. Yeah. And he's a, he's a Muay Thai boxer, fighter, oh, cool. uh, actor. Excellent movies. He's an excellent actor. He's kind of followed the trend and, and moved into quite a few Western American movies. But he's excellent. And if you haven't seen any of his movies, definitely check him out. Tony Ja. Yeah. I hadn't uh, looked into his things. But yeah, when you said Ongbok, I very much, I, I think those are on Netflix every once in a while. Uh, I think they are. So I'll definitely have to give them a watch. Uh, closer to the end of the show, we're going to have a recommendation segment where basically we just take some time to recommend a creator, an artist, a YouTuber, a musician, stuff of that matter. And we just kind of give them a shout out that's uh, something relevant to the show, the topic that we're speaking on for that episode, or just some work that we enjoy from them uh, in general. So today for my for my recommendation it is a YouTuber by the name of Ranton. He he basically does what's implied in the name. He rants about video games. He does video game reviews and he just makes really exaggerated videos about what he thinks about the game and he touches on all the parts like gameplay and the you know how fun it is to play by himself versus with his friends and it's it's all subjective he even says that in his videos but he puts a lot of effort there's a lot of effects that he puts in his videos it takes a takes him a long time to upload because of the effort that he puts into it and that's something that i feel like youtubers don't do as much when they become bigger they just have like an editor to do all that for them and it comes to a point i feel like where it loses that that part of it the production value of it kind of lacks a little bit because they're just pumping out videos every day instead of like it's it's a, a quantity over quality instead of the other way around he he puts a lot of effort into it he's funny he's really funny um he is half chinese and half german and uh, he's relevant to this specific episode because he actually trained as, I guess he calls it a warrior monk at the Shaolin in China for three years he trained there. So that kind of fits into, you know, what we're doing. He's like Kung Fu uh, martial artist and trained traditionally in China. Yeah, that's my recommendation. Just definitely go check him out. Cool. Right on. Awesome. Well, before we wrap this up, I wanted to make one recommendation for a movie with this being Saturday. If you have no plans on Saturday night and you want to watch any of the movies we suggested, I highly recommend really any of them. Any, anything we talked about, if any of them piqued your interest, go find them on Amazon, Hulu, Netflix, HBO Max, Crackle, Tubi, DVDs, I don't know, drive in, wherever you can find them. Just 
I'll watch them and, and don't feel like anyone's going to judge you. If, if you want to watch it with English dubs, go for it. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to put that negativity out there. You know, there's it's, no, it's better. It's better with the subs, but if, if you can't find them with the subs, the dub version is still good. The film is still good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if like me, it used to be very hard for me to watch something with subtitles. And a lot of that was because of the ADHD. I mean, it's just, it's hard for me to watch something that's in English sometimes. I mean, <laughs> whatever it is, there's no judgment here. So if if you want to watch anything that we mentioned, definitely go do that. But I think I want to end with the recommendation of watching The Big Boss. If, there, if there's one film in this whole thing, I, I would say watch that. It really, it kicked off modern kung fu. It started Bruce Lee's career. Prior to that, he had been on the Green Hornet and ESPN just did a 30 for 30 and they talked about how underpaid he was and and there was a lot of discrimination in Hollywood. And I think that The Big Boss is just, it is a very culturally important movie and what better timing than right now with it being re-released in the Bruce Lee Ultimate Collection Criterion box set. Every one of the films has been restored in either 2K or 4K definition, multiple audio tracks. There's probably subtitles. There's probably English dubs. Just reading about the description. I mean, like I have some of these films and, and I still want to go buy the box set. I mean, it's it's $100, but it includes bonus features, behind the scenes, interviews, outtakes. It's got this really cool version of the Game of Death called the Game of Death Redo or Game of Death Redux. And it's a recut version of Bruce Lee's unfinished film. The original version is part of the this idea of Bruce Bloitation, where a lot of his work or his likeness or even his name, because there's some so-and-so that took the the screen name Bruce Lee with one E and continued to to try to make these like almost unofficial sequels to these actual Bruce Lee movies. And they're nowhere near the quality or the relevance of these actual films. So if I, if I can leave you with one recommendation, I suggest the big boss, I guess any version of it will work. But if, if you have nothing to do this afternoon, this evening, uh, give that a viewing. Uh, what about you, Sebastian? What's, what's your one big recommendation? My one big one, if you want, something a little more lighthearted definitely drunken master one or two i don't think they're connected i think they're pretty uh standalone films drunken master legend of drunken master armor of god is a really good one very famous for jackie chan's kind of mishap when he was he he was doing a stunt and he almost died he actually fell on his head and cracked his skull and pieces of his skull were like lodged into his brain and it's it's a really famous and i think really important movie for his career armor of god but that one's really cool and if you're not looking for anything more uh light-hearted jet lee has very high quality very um uh what do you call it uh uh authentic authentic yeah fuck yeah thank you you're welcome uh Jet Li has very authentic movies in like the Kung Fu style. Uh, the one that always stuck out to me the most by Jet Li is Fearless. That's a great movie. It's definitely uh, more of a serious one. You know, that, that kind of comes with the uh, 
with the territory is kind of more of his style but excellent movies and excellent actor those are my my two uh rec- i guess three recommendations drunken master actually i think that was four <laughs> drunken master one and two armor of god and fearless yeah that was four okay my my four recommendations. <laughs> it's gonna be a long night <laughs> just plan a whole week watch every movie that we recommended you'll be fine you're gonna love it okay yeah or follow my example and watch all four of them in the span of two days. Okay. Just ignore your friends yeah. and family. Uh, just, you, you know, know it, get some they, snacks and, and a big bowl of popcorn. You have an excuse to, to quarantine yourself, you know, at least here's something to do. <laughs> it's, it's true. If, if you got the time, go for it. Well, before we go, I wanted to do a couple of quick shout outs. This couldn't have happened without the support of friends, family, and loved ones. Uh, I, I wanted to thank specifically and by name, uh, my cousin Cammie. I, I had been talking to her about this for a while. She does a couple of podcasts. Um, the Victory Point podcast or Primo House podcast. According to a quick Google search, those can be found on most major podcast sites. But she was she was very helpful in a, in a lot of the information, you know, step by step processing, help with structure and design. Uh, I want to thank my wife for keeping me motivated on this. I talked to her consistently about it, and and I you know I told her about multiple microphones that I wanted, and they kept selling out and just needing to do something, and so her support and backing on this has been wonderful. Shout out to Nick, uh, dear teen, Nicholas, our professor, just for that being such an awesome class. I also wanted to drop the website Unsplash. They host thousands of free images. So if you are needing any sort of imagery for background or a, a photo wallpaper, in this case, I used a picture from Haley Owens for our title card. Those are a brand of cereal whose name I don't know if I I can actually say, but those are a uh, multicolored looped cereal that I personally loved as a child. And I I think it's a fantastic photo. And so for there to be this like dedicated website uh, that specifically says you can use any of the photos free of charge. um, I think that really just kind of gives a big middle finger to places like Shutterstock. So if if, if you need some sort of imagery. I, I mean, I did an extensive search. There's some really cool stuff. So shout out to them. Shout out to, to Haley for her photo. And then a huge, you know, nod to, to Buzzsprout. Uh, when I first started thinking about this idea, they have a really good step-by-step tutorial uh, that really covers some of the basics that you wouldn't think about. You know, like the, the first one is, what is your topic? You know, have a, have a definitive topic. And Ours happen to be that Sebastian and I both share a love of all forms of entertainment. You know, like I said in the in the intro, comic books and, and video games and movies and TV shows and everything in between and everything associated with it. So they just gave a, a solid game plan and a, an easy to follow step-by-step instruction. You know, what you need to do, recommendations for microphones, programs to use that are free of charge places to upload, just everything you would need to do something like this. And so, you know, big shout out to them. Other than that, thank you, Sebastian, for, for doing this with me, man. This is 
this was a blast. I know we've had, sure, of course, yeah, we, we had some, some technical difficulties that we've creatively edited out and we, yeah. you know, and we've creatively added to, yeah, yeah. Some, some technical difficulties we definitely made for ourselves, but this was a blast and uh, I, I can't, I can't wait for our next episode. And I think we're going to try to stick to uh, a two week model, hopefully get these out for you. Every other Saturday morning, have something to listen to while you eat breakfast and give you a good recommendation for some movies to watch. Some of the later ones will probably have more family-friendly movies in them. I know this one's a little more geared towards adult cinema fans, but I love mm-hmm. kids' movies. Here, Kung Fu Panda. Go watch that one if you need <laughs> There you if, go. If you need a kid's recommendation from this one, Kung Fu Panda, any one yeah, of uh, oh, which uh, Forbidden Kingdom has uh, Jackie Chan and Jet Li. That's a little more uh, oh, friendly as well. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. And then uh, that's really good. And Jackie Chan uses his drunken style in that one too. Well, there you go. And then if and, you, oh, go sorry, on. sorry. No. <laughs> one of the main characters is a huge Kung Fu movie fan. So he, uh, references tons of kung fu movies oh that's including, fantastic including jet uh bruce lee so oh very cool very yeah. cool it's that's like a good, uh good one there it's like hot fuzz when he when they're talking about like uh police films and action films and yeah and he's like you've never seen like bad boys <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, I, I like, like yeah. I like movies that are very self-aware like that. So that's awesome. So yeah, hopefully you'll join us uh, for our next episode. I think uh, tentatively we're going to be talking uh, about literary adaptations, mm-hmm. m- movies and TV shows that are adapted from books. So, yeah. which is pretty much every movie now. So yeah, it's true. It's going to be prepared for like a four-hour episode, <laughs> and uh, we'll see you then. Take care. All right. Take care.